But I would say the first place to look is look at leadership and look at the look at do you have a toxic environment? Do you have drama in your organization? I love that. And if you got drama and you got a toxic environment and you got then you got a cultural issue that's driving folks out the door. Firehouse Vigilance presents the Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never ending fight against complacency. Corley Moore, Firehouse Vigilance. It is weekly scrap number two, three, zero. My guest tonight is Craig Hay, a retired fire chief who has led volunteer combination and career. He's been a chief for more than 30 years. He is the author of the book, The Dynamic Fire Chief, Principles for Organizational Management. He's named 2012 Illinois Career Fire Chief of the Year, the recipient of the 2019 International Association of Fire Chiefs, Chief Alan Brunacini Executive Safety Award. He's written, published tons of articles on the topic of leadership. He is the principal of Hague Solutions Consulting, and that consulting work frequently extends into the private business sector as well. Regular speaker, presenter, sharing his experience and insights with both emergency service and private sector leaders. He facilitates two think tanks, one fire service, one private business, and serves as a private business executive coach, assisting and working to develop team leadership skills in up and coming leaders. This man has done a lot on fire organizational leadership roles. It is my absolute pleasure to have you on as the guest of Weekly Scrap number 230. Welcome, Chief Craig Haig. Well, thank you, sir. It is, uh, it's an honor to be with you tonight. So um, looking forward to the conversation. I am checking in right now. We're having a super choppy video right now, and I'm just checking in with everybody that's watching live, and everybody's saying the same thing. It is super wicked choppy video. So I apologize to everybody, but the audio is good. Please let me know the audio is good. If the audio is good, we'll continue and pray that the video catches up, and and you guys can just kind of close your eyes and enjoy um, me and Chief, uh, you know, audio-wise. So just let me know. Audio is good. Okay, Preston says audio is good. I'm waiting for a few more people to say audio is good. Matt Carpenter said, much respect for this man. Welcome to the Chop House. That's a great way to say it. (laughs) Super choppy. Hey, everybody, this is the benefit, or not the benefit, this is the downside of a live show. But if you can hear us, that is what we care about. Just the video is super choppy. All right, Chief, if you're willing, we're going to go with just the audio and everybody can watch our slideshows of of our faces as we go. That's good with me. Is there anything I missed in the intro? I mean, because let's be honest, you've done a lot in your life and it's hard to melt it down to just a paragraph. So is there anything I missed in the, uh, the, the intro that you'd like to add? No, been, I've been around, been around a long time, uh, led, led fire departments for a long time. And, uh, what you, what you covered, uh, was, uh, was very nice. So I, I appreciate that. Fair enough. I'll take, I'll, I'll go with it. I'll talk about those beautiful sponsors and then we'll get into the scrap spot, uh, the scrap proper, the OG sponsor of the scrap Kehoe's. check them out online at keyhose.com. Follow them on Facebook. Of course, the affordable bailout prop. Affordable Drill Tower, firefighter owned and operated. They make the affordable bailout prop, which allows you to practice window bailouts using a personal escape system, ladder bailouts, or ladder high points. The affordable bailout prop can roll under any 12-foot overhead door so you can train on the apparatus floor or in the parking lot. Call Steve or Dennis 
844-55-TOWER or drop an email to info at affordabledrilltowers.com. Firestationfurniture.com provides a complete line of quality furniture for your firehouse. Firefighter owned and operated, they understand the strain firefighters put on furniture and offer furniture that's built to last. Visit www.firestationfurniture.com for more information. And finally, FDIC International. It's taking over Indianapolis once again. The big show, April 15th through the 20th, and you have to be there to experience it. No other event brings together the fire service industry like FDIC with over 34,000 fire service professionals, hands-on training covering the latest in technology and technique, an expansive conference program, and nearly 800 leading manufacturers displaying their products and services. It's not a regular trade show. It's FDIC International. Register today at FDIC.com and use the promo code SCRAP with an exclamation point. It'll be very clear. With the, but there it is. The, the sponsors are done. We can get to the scrap proper. Uh, everybody's saying it's it's starting to clear up. It's starting to clear up. It's starting to look good. So, hey, maybe good. we're in luck. Making progress. Weather, weathering the storm. Um, Chief, I'm going to kick it off right out the gate. I love this topic, and you sent me you sent me so much good information. You sent me two PowerPoints. You sent me uh, articles. You sent me the topics you wanted to discuss. I loved it. Okay? Absolutely loved it. Um, and I, I'm starting off with one that I think is on everyone's mind. Recruitment and retention. Straight up out the gate. I think that's probably one of the biggest ones on a lot of people's uh, radar in the modern fire service. What is the fire service getting wrong right now? And what are we getting right? What do we need to do more of? It's basically a soft toss to kick things off whichever direction you want to take it. Well, man, if that's a soft toss, then uh, then I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm a little bit afraid of what uh, one of your hard kicks is going to be. Um, the hard the hard only comes from the audience. Mine. Oh, uh, okay. There you go. The uh, the issue of recruitment and retention, I would say, is flat out, hands down, number one issue that I'm hearing in the fire service today. Um, in fact, um, the information I was able to provide to you is based on. Um, I'm with the Illinois uh, Association of Fire Protection Districts later in this week at their conference talking about basically the exact same thing as well as a little bit of succession planning. Um, I don't know of any fire department, and I, through my consulting work, I talked to a lot of them across the country. Uh, I don't know of anybody that is not struggling with this issue of recruitment and, to a lesser degree, retention. But retention is becoming a, a bigger issue for us. Um, I, I, as I as I talk to folks, we always we always talk about recruitment and retention. We say them uh, it's almost like it's a it's a it's a linked together word. And the reality is is they're two they're two different things. Right. Uh, recruitment is let's grab those new folks. We got to the door. Folks that are interested in, in coming into what I would argue is the greatest job in the world. How do we how do we find them? How do we develop them? How do we get them interested? How do we get them into the organization? And then the retention is that once we get them, how do we keep them? Hmm. And the the challenge that we face, I think, from the recruitment, or I'm sorry, from the retention standpoint today, is that everybody is looking to hire. So if you get a, a new firefighter in the door and, and all of a sudden they figure out this isn't a good fit for me, I don't like the bosses that I'm working for, I don't like the organization, I can make an hour more next door, Man, they're going to make the jump. Right. And so we need to be very, very 
diligent as it relates to this issue of not only how do we get new folks, but when we once we get those new folks, how do we keep them? Keep them. And I I talk about we've got to be the employer of choice. And if we're not the employer of choice, we're not we're not going to keep our folks uh, at our organization, and we're just going to lose them, and they're going to go someplace else. So this is this is a huge issue. Um, it is it is the uh, the the issue that everybody seems to be concerned about and talking about whether it is the 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 folks that are working the the rigs up through the the city councils and fire district leadership everybody understands this is a problem as i've looked at it and as i and as i get folks to to say hey w- what can we do here how do we fix it uh, come tell us what the answer is um I can tell you, I, I've spent a lot of time looking at this at this issue and um, tried to work with some really smart folks um, from across the the fire service world throughout the U.S. and Canada. And the answer comes back to: there's no silver bullet here. There right. is there is no one solution is going to fix the the challenge that we've got. Um, I, I think there are. Anytime we look at a difficult situation like this, we got to look at well, what is really the underlying challenge that we're facing, um, and, and what do we, what can we glean from that to be able to, to try and figure out some solutions. Um, you mentioned in my introduction that I do a lot of work with the fire service, but I do a lot of work uh, with the private side. Right, and I can t- I can tell you that this is not just a fire service, emergency service. Uh, whether that's EMS, fire, law enforcement, this is just not our problem. When you look at what's going in the pro- on in the private sector, um, I do a lot of work with um, organizations that uh, work on heavy equipment and diesel mechanics and and things like that. They they can't get folks either. Okay. And so this is it's not just our issue, but it is a global employment issue. So is it a society? Uh- societal issue that we're also feeling the ramifications of? I, I, I think so. And I okay. think I think you summed it up pretty well. Um, when you look at, if you just go back and you look at the numbers, and that's, I always just try to go back and say, okay, what what's the numbers actually telling us? Um, we know that there are 1.9 million fewer American workers than there were in February of 2020. So coming out of the pandemic, We've lost 1.9 million workers just right out, just right out of the gate. So when you look at that, you say, "Oh, okay. Well, where'd they go?" Well, we had, we had a bunch of folks that that took early retirement. They're they're out of the out of the employment world. Uh, we got folks that are staying home and they're not, um, you, you know, they're they're taking care of their families. They're not in the work environment. They we got a lot of new businesses that have, that have started up. Um, so. We, we just have less folks that are working today than what we had even a, even a few years ago. And if, you, and if you distill that down a bit and you say, okay, well, well what else do we actually know? Um, we know that our population growth level, uh, going all the way back to 1900, 1900 fast forward to today, 120 plus years. Okay. Um, we are at the lowest population growth in American history since the 1900s. Hmm. So we just don't have the folks. Just the labor force have. is smaller. It's smaller. Right. Okay. So so when you look at those numbers 
And then you say, okay, well, where are the people working at? Well, what the what the data tells us is that um, the professional services um, I just talked about in the private side, the diesel mechanics, the 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 uh, the carpenters, the plumbers, the electricians, those kind of folks that do that kind of work, as well as healthcare and emergency services. When you look at all of the folks that are, that are working, the area that is the shortest is that professional and business spoke about. So not only do we have less folks for us to pull from, we have less folks that are interested in doing our work. Right. Okay. So you stick well, all of that stuff with together, the, yeah. man, we're just, we're, we're, in, we're in trouble. We're, we're in an exponential crisis. It, we really are. And, and you say, well, how big is it? How big a problem do we have? Um, what the data is currently telling us is that 49%, we only got 1.1 million firefighters uh, in the U.S. We're, we're really a pretty yeah, small, no, very small. Pretty, pretty small group. Um, very elite. You know, I, I like to say elite. Elite, yeah, that's, that's a good way to describe <laughs> it. I mean, there's about 38,000 fire departments in the country. So, I mean, we're a pretty small group. But 49%, almost half of that group, is age 40 or older. Ooh. So if you think the average firefighter, um, and I think the national numbers now, they're, they're retiring at about 52 to 53 years old, and you say half of our firefighters are 40 years or older, um, and we're not replacing that generation coming in the door, uh, when you step back and you look at that from the 30,000-foot view, we got some real challenges. So we haven't we hit get the- our arms wrapped around this. We haven't even hit the actual crisis yet. We're just getting the we're in the the opening bouts of the crisis. I I think that's a great way to describe it. Oh, and so yeah. you painted that a very clear picture. I, I I've never thought about that before. I think if we don't get our hands around what we're seeing right now, we're we're stuck. We're gonna be we're gonna be in a really bad way. Mm. No. Uh, wow. And like I said, there's a soft toss to lead off the discussion. <laughs> Are you ready, Chief, for your first um, question from the audience? Sure. And it's right in this. It's right down the same vein we're talking about. Scott Hope Jr. wants to know. Um, I'm not sure what OAY is. Uh, that that one part is is confusing me, Scott. So I'm sorry, but it says he says when the OA benefits equipment are there for the recruitment and retention. Yet you still have an astronomical turnover. I'm saying he's saying when the benefits and equipment are there, but mm-hmm. you still have an astronomical turnover. What is your suggestion for where to begin reevaluation of your of your strategy? If I understand the question, I think um, it's probably hey. He said pay. P a y. Okay, it was a typo. I was very confused. I'm sorry. Thank you. Go ahead. Sorry. I I think it's I think what that question. It, it probably hits the heart of of what we've got going on that we need to take a look at. You know, if we look at if we look at the new generation coming in the door, the Generation Z folks, the you know the the in eighteen to twenty four year olds that are that are new recruits that we're trying right. to hire, they're the candidate pool. You know, and I I talked to a lot of a lot of fire service leaders, and um, uh, regardless of what rank, when I when I say fire service leader, leadership's leadership doesn't matter what. what crap you got on your collar um but when i talk to a lot of fire service leaders they i hear a lot of complaints about um the the new coming in the door
Mike Chick. Chief, we lost you. I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to keep talking so that the audio is there for everybody that's paying attention or, or that is listening. Right now, I'm hoping uh, Chief gets to get back in here with us. He may not realize he's lost contact with us. Uh, I'm enjoying I love the numbers he just brought up. Uh, I'll talk to the audience. He's froze. Let me know if I'm if you can still hear Corley. Please let me know if you can still hear me. I know I, he's gone for me. He's gone for me. He's gone for Sam. So I'm aware he's gone, but I just need to know if you guys can hear me or it's just him. He's officially gone, gone. We can hear you. Corley, you are good. I like hearing that. Thank you, Jacob. Corley, you are good. <laughs> You're good. Can hear you. I can hear you. We got you. Chief of Chiefs is gone, though. Um, I don't know what I brother, you just you do what you gotta do. Is he gonna keep the stream going? All right. Hey, throw questions at me. I'll, I'll I'm just gonna field. I'm just gonna field questions. Throw questions at me while we wait on the chief to get back in here, and we'll get it back and going when he gets back in. It's gonna be wonky. The video is gonna be wonky while Sam deals with it. Sam is the amazing guy. He handles curveballs like nobody's business. And uh, throw questions, and we'll just go from here. We'll keep the scrap going. This is the beauty of live internet television. I don't know what is it. What is it called? Live internet broadcast. We back. I think. Yeah. Beef. I didn't OA him enough. That's it, Joe. (laughs) That's really good, actually. Welcome back, brother. Welcome back. Um, I think. I think we were talking about uh, what a great question that was. Uh, You want me to pick back up there, or what happened? I was gone. I was I was prattling, trying to just kill time, seeing if we were going to make it back or not. So, one (laughs) hundred percent, wherever you want to pick back up, uh, it was a great question from Scott Hoke, and you were you were right in the middle of killing it. And so you can start over at the beginning, basically. As I said, I, I think the question hits to the heart of really where we're at when we're looking at when we're looking at the generations that that are coming in the door. You know, the, the fact we can complain all we want, and I and I hear a, fire, a lot of fire service leaders complain about all oh, the new guys. Well, God's not making any old, more old firefighters. So the reality is, is that the new guys are our firefighters. So how do we? How do we change to be able to adjust and lead the generation coming in the door? And, and so when we think about it and we say, okay, well, what do you guys want? Pay and benefits, they want, they want a livable wage. They want good benefits. But the reality, when we talk to the younger generation coming in the door, they're looking for the ability to make a difference. They're looking for uh, the ability to work in a, in a workplace that's driven by values um, they're, they're looking, um, an organization that cares about them and they're just not a number on a, on a, on a flow chart. Um, they're looking for flexibility and operate and, and how we do business. You know, uh, we got folks that if you don't swirl the toilet at nine o'clock in the morning, because we've swirled the toilet at nine o'clock in the morning for the last hundred years, you know, the world may stop spinning on its axis. Right. The sun may freeze. Wow. Reality is. Uh, is like, you know, you got you got folks to come in and say, "Hey, Cap, can we get our can we get our our training done this morning at nine o'clock? Because it's going to be a hundred degrees at four o'clock, and we could swirl the toilet then." Well, we need we need some we need some leaders that can 
can can roll with the punches and make modifications and adjust. Um, so we so we we've got a generation that 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 stuff is is important too, and I think we as leaders need to be thinking about that and, and right. how do we become that that employer of choice in essence instead of um, some of the crazy stuff that we've done for a, for a very very long time. And and let me ask you, Chief, do you think that there is like I love the I love the wording you use, the employer of choice. And and do you think that's the metric that an organization needs to use and compare themselves to the surrounding departments? You know what I'm saying? I'm saying and and use that as like a mirror? I, I do. I really do. Oh, I think I, I think we we need to look at ourselves, we need to look at our candidates, we need to talk to our candidates, we need to find out what their needs are and what makes and then we need to adjust our organizations accordingly. No, I think I the that. other thing that that is is of a challenge to us is that um, you know our candidates coming in the door are smarter than they've ever been, and they at a moment can Google um, the fire service. So this this mystery of um, Cancer risk in the fire service. Um, you know, in the, in the old days, we didn't we didn't talk about the health concerns in the fire department. Sure, um, it's it's real. It's there. We know it's real. Um, I've been involved search associated with figuring some of that stuff out. It's there, and our folks coming in the door, they go, mm, "I'm not sure I want to be part of that." Right. Um, you know, we've got we've got mental health issues. We've got um, you know lots of lots of talk about. Uh, the amount of shift time that our folks are at work, the the mandatory overtimes. I was doing a consulting job um, not long ago, in which uh, I was I was t- as I was interviewing folks in the department. They were telling me about a new candidate, a probationary. Um, I think he had ten or eleven months on, so he hadn't completed his twelve month. Um, was engaged uh, to be married. The wedding was planned. He got called for mandatory overtime the day of his wedding. Within two hours of the ceremony time before he was able to get somebody to actually come in and cover his shift. Otherwise, he was going to miss his wedding and have to either be AWOL or miss his wedding. Right, right. No, what a a terrible choice to put on somebody. So when that information gets shared with folks that are looking for a career in our business, and, and for those of us, like I said, this, this is the greatest job in the world. But for when folks hear that, when they see that, when they read that information, when they hear those stories, they go, it's not the greatest job in the world. And I don't think I want any part of it. The, the sleep deprivation aspect of it, um, all of that stuff I think is actually coming together and having a negative impact on the recruitment of new folks that are that are going to potentially come in the door. So we can have great pay, we can have great benefits, we can have great stations, we can have great apparatus. I think all that is hugely important. But I think we got to look at these other factors as well. And as leadership say, what can we do to make changes so that we can be an employer of choice to be able to, to get these folks in the door, not only get them in the door, but to keep them. Wow. No, I love the mindset. I love the mindset. Um, and and you, you're taking me to messaging and I, and I want to, I want to ask questions about messaging, but, but there's so many questions for the audience. And I want to incorporate them into this and I want to stay on topic before I shift gears on you to messaging. Um, 
Joe Gavita wants to know, Chief, have you seen an increase in organizations lowering their hiring standards to meet needs for hiring and recruitment? Oh, absolutely. Um, the fact that, you know, in my, in my department, I used, to, I used to talk about that if you don't have a bachelor's degree and a paramedic license, you're not going to get high enough on the list to, to, to get hired. Um, I mean, the points just won't be there to, to weed you out. Today, um, you're probably not, you know, the, the, those those days are gone. At right. least we're, we're for just the, after for a, pulse, a pulse, yeah. and and a and maybe a driver's license at some point. And you probably and you and you may you can probably get hired if you got a felony as long as you didn't kill somebody. Right. Um, I, you know, it's no. So so the reality is, it's just to have uh, bodies on the rig. We've had to, to lower and reduce those standards, which means we can we can get good folks in the door, but we're going to have to train them. And uh, all, almost to the back to the military mindset of you bring a, you bring in a, a, a recruit, you send them to boot camp, and then you, and then you train them for their specialty in the military. <clears throat> I think, I think that's probably where we're heading again, if we're not already there. So I'm seeing, I'm seeing almost every organization I talk to, has reduced their overall standards coming in the door. There you go, Joe. A- a easy answer. Uh, not saying it's a good answer, but it's an easy answer. Um, Derek, eight, man, A-Y-D-T, eight. I'm going to say eight, and you correct me if I'm wrong. I'm good at butchering names. Are minimum standards to blame for recruitment and retention, having two lacks of the process, once you get hired, two lacks of a performance evaluation standard? Run that by me again. Are minimum standards to blame for recruitment and retention? Having two lacks of a process once you get hired and, and incorporating two lacks of a performance evaluation, basically just a lower standard. It, it's tied to the previous question. Is that the problem with recruitment and retention? I, I don't. Or is it a symptom? I, I think it's a symptom. I don't, I don't think it is directly tied to recruitment. I do think it's retained to retention. And I, I will say that um, I see more uh, firefighter terminations today than I think I've ever seen in my career. And um, I can, I can tell you based on, based on what my consulting firm does, um, the amount of internal investigations that we help departments with uh, because of just bad actor firefighters that are doing that are doing things they shouldn't be doing um, is is incredibly shocking to me. And so I think when you reduce your standards, if you will, and you bring folks in the door, um, some of those folks are not going to be long term good employees. Right. And and I I, I would say I'm not interested in seeing any firefighter. But if we hire a firefighter that is not up to the standards that what we expect, what we believe the public uh, should should uh, expect from from the people that have put their put their hand up, their hand on the badge on their chest, um, if it's not up to that standard, then leadership needs to be strong enough to say, guess what, you're not going to get to work here any longer. Right? No, absolutely. And, and and so I'm seeing I'm seeing more terminations, but and that's disturbing to me. But I'm also encouraged 
that we got fire service leaders that will actually do the right thing instead of just saying, man, stick your head in the sand and look the other way just to have a warm body on Just a body in the seat. Let me ask you this, Chief, because this because uh, I know you're a character person. I know. I know this from just, just our brief interactions and studying and the Dynamic Fire Chief book. But like you said, used to be the pool was huge. Like you yeah. couldn't even get in the top part of it without a bachelor's degree and, and, and the certs and everything else. And, and so at that point, departments could afford to sit back and say, okay, let's try to identify the person with the best character through whatever metrics we could use to try and identify that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. But, but now that the pool has shrunk so much, it's, is it just that we're not even looking for character anymore? It's not even a metric. I think that's true. Um, and, and I think the, I think the other thought that goes through my mind is that we we're pulling from a, from a, a handful of, of new candidates coming in the door that somehow they were, they missed the right and wrong, uh, either at home or in kindergarten or, you know, high school. So, you know, you got, you got candidates that um, were probably really great candidates and would probably be really great candidates today. But when they're 16, 17, 18, 19 years old, before they get ready to take a test, they did something squirrely. And, and a lot of us did something squirrely. Sure. Um, but they did something that put them in a position to which we can't hire them based on some of the actions that they've taken. Um, and, you know, they may, they may be a great candidate at 28 or 29 years old after they got their act together and you got a little bit of distance in there, but you're not going to be able to get them when they're young. You know? no, that's fair. That's fair. And I keep, I keep thinking about as, as I look at this, this wave that I believe is coming down the road, um, I think we need to start thinking about how do we change our recruitment process to start getting an interest from candidates back in the seventh or eighth grade and then start to mold and channel. This is acceptable behavior. This is what you need. If you want to be at the fire department, this is what you need to do to be able to keep yourself out of trouble so that we can, we can pick these folks up um, early Right. Instead of instead of trying to, you know, be on the on the receiving end, I think we need to be proactive on the on the build them end. Right. And and build that generation that's going to come to us versus just taking who we can get. No, that's beautiful. I actually love that. Uh, No, I really do. Um, Are you good with more questions coming from the audience? We got so much to talk about, but uh, absolutely. Cox wants to know, what is the weather in your area? Have you had any major fires lately? Well, you know what? It's um, it's in the 30s today, uh, so it's not it's not horrible. Chicago can go, you know, wintertime in Chicago can be 60 degrees minus 12, you know, in the same day. So it's it's uh, it's crazy. Um, city of Evanston, uh, which is uh, the just north of the city of Chicago, uh, Northwestern University is up there. They have been trying to burn the down the town down here in the last. Uh, week or so. So, um, for in the Chicago area, they've had most of the work. It's uh, I'm not sure what's going on up there. Great fire department, great group of great group of folks. Um, but yeah, they've been really busy the last. They've been getting the last it on. couple week. Yeah, right they on. absolutely have. Right on, right on. Michael Goldstein wants to know, Chief, do you see a lack of firefighters as a whole, or is it a lack of firefighters 
in an EMS-based fire department. Uh I'm trying to I'm trying to infer into his question. Is he asking is the focus on EMS taking away from our, re- our recruitment, the recruitment side? I think I think based on that question, the answer is yes. Um, I think I think I think we have folks that want to do EMS that want to do fire. I think we have folks that do EMS only because they want to be part of a fire department, and. Th- None of none of those equations actually really fit well with what it what it is that we do. Um, I mean, the reality is, the fire service is the largest EMS provider in the country, and so we're we're doing the vast majority of the work. We're 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 positioned to to do it. Um, you know, we've we've got the response times, we've got the capabilities, we've got the staffing that we need. Modern level EMS. Um, so, so we're we're just in a better position to be able to do it than than a lot of other options or a lot of other providers are. Um, I think that we as leaders in the fire service, when we're recruiting, when we're sending the message or telling the message of what the what the job is all about, um, you know, if you watch it, if you watch a fire department recruitment video. You see buildings are on fire. You see tower ladders flowing water. You see people um, on ropes swinging off of water towers and cliffs and buildings and and extrications. And you see all of this stuff going on, and you see nothing, nothing as it relates to EMS. Right. We don't we don't load them on a cot and put them. Yeah. We don't we don't talk about medicine. We don't talk about the mental health aspect of, of the folks that call us today. We don't talk about the fact that 75 or 80% of what we do is EMS in nature. Um, we don't talk about the fact that modern day EMS is actually taking emergency room level care, transferring it to the field. We now do it in the, in your living room. And then when we transport you, we move you to the definitive care in the, in the, to go get the clock pulled out of your brain or, or send you, send you in to get a cath and get your, your clogged artery opened up. We don't talk about any of that stuff because, quite frankly, that's in the fire service mind. That's not sexy. It is not. So we don't bring that forward. Right. And so I think we advertise for the job that we sometimes do versus the job that we do every day. And, And I think that impacts, therefore, the pool of candidates that are interested in coming to work for us. Mm hmm. Back to the messaging, which we're going to get to. (laughs) No, we are. We are. No, uh, unbelievably great breakdown of that answer and that question. I love that. James Griffin, do you think the economy is affecting training with many people having multiple jobs to survive, especially on the volunteer side? I think the economy is affecting everything we do. And um, it's, it's, it's interesting. I was was just having this conversation with my, with my wife um, this week. Uh, as it relates to the economy and where the fire service is at. Um, Regardless of whether you're a a full-paid fire department or whether you're volunteer, um, just the cost of living is more than what it has been. And so that, that means that you you're working you're working multiple jobs you're taking overtime shifts you're doing whatever it is that you need to do to to bring the food in continue to make the house payment and and put food on the table for your family that's the basics that's where we're at 
from the fireside <clears throat> budget component of that is that as the costs continue to increase and we have to pay our firefighters more or we're, it's costing us more for travel or housing or uh, tuition for them to, to attend classes, whatever, whatever that matrix turns out to be, the reality is, is there's less and less and less available money for that stuff in our overall fire department budgets. The conversation specifically that my wife and I were having is over the fact of just the overall cost of, cha- uh, of fire apparatus today. Um, you know, uh, coming out coming out of uh, the COVID uh, 2000, early 2001, you go buy a buy a new engine, six hundred fifty, uh, $700,000. That's got everything on it. It's spectacular. It's wonderful. It's a it's a it's probably more rig than what you need to be right. able to do the job. Today, you can't buy that same rig for less than a million dollars. Right. It's a it's one point one point one. If you're yeah, if you're lucky. Yeah. I was, and, and, was, and it's four years to get it. Exactly. You know, uh, I was at a department uh, not long ago. They had paid uh, 1.2 or 1.3 uh, for a million-dollar uh, tower ladder. Uh, they ran it for two years and sold it to a department for $1.4 million. That's- and I, and, I, and I, asked the, I asked the folks that were buying it, I said, why are, you, why are you spending more money than what they paid for it new and it's two years old? And they said, because if we go to buy a new one, it's a four-year delivery time, and it's going to cost us two million bucks. Right? No, it's 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 a it's a no-brainer for both people, both parties involved. Yeah. So when you when you put all of that together, and you say, okay, for me to buy that new one point one million dollar engine, or me to pay for fire academy training, or for me to pay stipends for my volunteer firefighters that will actually reimburse them for the gas that they put in their vehicle to respond on calls. That means I got to increase taxes within the community that I serve. And when I start increasing the taxes, there's an immediate impact on the overall community because they're suffering because of the, because of the increases of costs associated with the economy. So to say that the economy is driving a lot of the challenges that we're seeing, I think is absolutely spot on target. Um, and I don't know where we're going. I don't know what we're going to do about it, uh, but I sure see it as a problem today. Talk to a lot of folks that say it's a problem and think that, well, we got to try and wrap our arms around this thing in a pretty quick fashion here, or we're going we're gonna to find ourselves in even a deeper trouble. Definitely a factor, and the more proactive you can be addressing it, I think is going to be the key. Uh, what whatever proactive looks like, and that's the, that's the debate, right? Uh, Chuck Hennis, man, I love your question. It's question two. I love your question, but please articulate it if you can in the chat. Uh, like it's it's very multifaceted. I need more details in it, uh, so please articulate it, and I'll ask it. Jacob Osterhughes coming at you, Chief. He says. Do you feel, and I like this question, so I want to get it right. Uh, do you feel that a progressive department versus a uh, because we've always done it that way department matters? Uh, progressive in tactics, patient care, EMS, etc. Just just their attitude. Do you think it matters, or what? What as you've done your consulting and, and traveled, what do you think? I think that that probably is the one thing that matters. Mm. I think the better organization you are. And, and we in the fire service world tie the word being progressive, aggressive fire department. 
uh, together. And that's that's our that's our term. I don't I don't know if we said that to the general population that they would know what that means. But for us, that's just very specifically means something. I think that the organizations that are progressive, that are not reactive, not in a situation of this is the way we've always done it. So this is what we're going to continue to do. Um, the departments that are aggressive uh, in their EMS level of patient care, in their in their fire suppression tactics, using modern research that is out there to, to do the job that we need to do. Um, I think all of that stuff actually comes together to help us become the employer of choice. And I think Again, and, and you and I have talked, uh, used the word several times of messaging. I think we have got to message that to the candidate pool that is out there to say, look it, you, you come to us, you're, you're going to get to experience that. And you're not going to get the, to the, the um, we're just going to beat into you what we've been doing for the last 50 years because it doesn't necessarily mean it's right. It's just what we've done for the last 50 years. Right. Right. No, I love it. I absolutely that's, a, that's a great question. That's a that's a that's a spot on question. No, and a spot on answer. And I, I really thank you, Jacob, for the question. Thank you, Chief uh, Craig Haig, for the beautiful answer. I had to timestamp it eight forty two uh, to make sure I didn't lose track of where it was because it was a beautiful answer. Um, uh, I don't know what that. There's no context, Robbie Cox. I don't know what you mean because it's been too long since you probably sent your question. You said, "Do you think they are just not thinking the job is serious?" So please repost the question uh, with some context. Uh, Christopher Dell Moore says, "Do you think lack of commitment is a factor? People can just bounce to the next happy place if they have a problem with one department or one officer or one individual." Yeah, I think that. Lack of commitment is is definitely an issue. Um, inter- interestingly, though, when you study Generation Z as to, as to what it is that they're looking for in an employer, they're looking for an employer that's committed to them. Mm. And so um, I go back to, and I coach departments as I, as I talk to them, uh, I go back to if you're if you've got candidates going out the door, the first place you need to look is at your bosses. Because we know employees do not leave organizations. They leave bad bosses. Right. Or they leave they leave toxic um environments, environments. with the folks that they work with. Right. And so um you know, a lot of times I, I hear things like, oh, well, you know, this guy's, this guy's, these new guys coming in the door or, or, or whatever, whatever attachment you identify the, the group by. Um, well, they're just, they're just not committed. And, and I say, well, maybe that, that's maybe that uh, you got You got to look at that. But I would say the first place to look is look at leadership and look at the, look at, do you have a toxic environment? Do you have drama in your organization? I love that. And if you got drama and you got a toxic environment, then you got then you got a cultural issue that's driving folks out the door. It's not the stayativeness of the of the folks coming in the door. And and so it, it, it's that error first. It's almost lazy. And then, just and to, then start to yeah. yeah yeah 
No, I love it. Uh, we've I've actually asked you one of my questions I've planned to ask you tonight. <laughs> one, everything else has come from the audience, and it's been amazing because they've had great questions, and you've crushed them all. Um, if you could give every fire chief out there one piece of advice, I wanted to get I wanted to throw this one on recruitment and retention specifically. Uh, what would it be? Just one, just one. Uh, I know that's a I know that's a harsh metric, but I'm still throwing it at you. Um, I would say if there, if there was, if there was one thing I would say on recruitment, um, it would be tell the right story, tell the story about what we really do, not, not the story of, um, maybe the cool and sexy stuff that looks good on a, on a videotape. Mm. So let's talk talk about what we really do in the business. The one piece of advice I would give a chief as it relates to retention, it's, it's all about the bosses and the managers. You got, you got good bosses, you got good leaders, you got folks that are, that are taught and developed and they know how to lead people. Um, You're going to be, you're going to be in good shape. And and so if there were two if there were two focus areas, tell a story that'll get you in the door, I believe. And then to keep them, you got to have good bosses. Got to have good bosses. You got to have good bosses. And do you think, man, man, there's so many levels to this that I want to dig into. But do you think um, the bosses can be developed, or you're you you got the wrong people? And that's such a multifaceted because there's so <laughs> many organizations, you know, there's so many people, so many egos, so many personalities. But do you think it's 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 developable? Develop? I don't know the right word. Developable. If you put the energy into it, or is it a foregone conclusion for some places? Or what's your uh, throw some percentages on it? Or I hope you get <laughs> the gist of what I'm asking you. Yeah, no, I get it. That's why. That's why I'm. I'm that's why you I'm do what you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's here's what here's what I'll tell you. Um, the best answer I can give you. It depends. Um, I I believe that there are folks that you can develop that they have a, they have the heart and they have the 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 drive and the passion to be developed into good leaders. Okay. And I think if they have that, if they have the heart and drive in the path, um, you can develop them. Um, and they, and they got to be teachable, uh, but you can, you can develop them into folks that can do a pretty good job leading, leading folks. Um, I think there are other folks that um, they may look really good on the surface, but the heart and the drive and the passion isn't there. And you just have what is, or in the, if you don't catch it and you, and you continue to move them through the chain, will ultimately put themselves in a position in which they're a, a boss that negatively impacts your organization. Mm. Mm. No, that's I, I, I talked about, and I do, I do a lot of work on uh, succession planning. And that was one of the things when, when I came to Hanover park, I, I came in the door from the outside and, um, and I, I told them straight up when the, when the city hired me, I said, look, I, I don't care from outside. 
Um, I think there are some instances where 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 you you need to. Uh, you got a problem. Somebody inside you failed the succession plan. You got to bring somebody in. You got to get it fixed. But the reality is, is that um, if your organization's running the way it's supposed to be running, you should be recruiting your future be growing and developing them based on their overall capabilities so that they're ready to step into leadership positions in the future, which means, and, 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 I, and, I've, and I've talked about this a lot with folks over the years, because um, we tried to really live it out in the, in the 19 years I sat in the top spot here uh, in, in Hanover Park. Um, we, we talked a, an awful lot about that when we recruited and when folks we hired them based on their blue shirt capabilities, but their white shirt potential. So, so what what assets did, could we uncover in our in our written in our interview? Might be losing him. Hold up, Chief. Are you Am I there? back? You're back. My back. You're back. Okay. What Not aspects, sure what that was about. What aspects? That's where what, you're at. What aspects we could uncover in those new recruits that if we focused attention on those aspects, we could build them into the future leaders of the organization. Mm-hmm. And and you know when I when I talked to my team about it, I said, well. You know, how, what do we? What's that mean to you guys? What are what are you thinking? And sure. they they talked about the eighty twenty rule. They said eighty percent of our assessment criteria needs to be based on the candidate's heart, and twenty percent of the assessment criteria needs to be based on the candidate's education, experience, things like that that they would bring to the table. The argument that that my folks made for me was is that um, we typically always hire based on the twenty percent. Hire based on what's their education, what's their certifications, what's their experience. The and we put no, yeah, but we put no focus on their on their heart, their vision, their passion, their commitment, their 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 love for the job. So we hire candidates intentionally that may have a heart problem and be a, and turn out to be a bad employee. Comparatively, if we hire a candidate that has got the right heart, all of the things that we can identify in a, in a great employee, but maybe they're missing something over in the education experience and training area, we're the fire department. We're, we're in the training business. We can fix that. Mm. We can fix the 20%. We can't fix the 80% of the heart. So that changed, in my mind, how we did business here and it changed how I teach people today for their assessment criteria of new candidates coming in the door is to say, you got to focus on their heart. You got to look at this individual as to who they are and what they bring to the table that we love about them. Right. And then what skills can we develop for their leadership in the future? Grab that and run. No, no. And and I I love this. I love this. I want to be, I want to a huge proponent of what you're saying. I think it's amazing to, to hire for heart, but do you get pushback on that from people saying that's too subjective? That's up to the, the system and who's friends and popularity contest. I'm, I, I can tell uh, you, uh, you've heard all of this. So. I've seen, I've heard, I've heard all of that. that right. the, the, um, the, the, the cool thing is um, when you're the fire chief and you've been the fire chief for a really, really long time, 
and you've been successful in a whole lot of, uh, of various areas, it's pretty easy when HR says to you, whoa, 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 I, I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I agree with your, your testing process. It's not as subjective as it ought to be. And you say, okay, look, it. We're going we're gonna to make it subjective. We're going to figure it out, but we're going to do it a little different than what we've done it in the past. And because you've got, in essence, uh, what I call political capital built already, well, you can, you can stave off the, all of the naysayers while you actually build something that is, that is workable and will, will bring in the candidates that you need to bring in the door. You can make it very subjective. Okay. Um, you just, you just got to know what you're looking for. Okay. No, no. That's why I wanted to. That's why I wanted to ask. Yeah. I yeah. love the. I love the answer. Absolutely. Uh, David Woodward coming at you and said, "In your experience, what percentage of an annual budget should be planned for payroll and benefits? Is there a good rule of thumb or standard practice?" Well, first off, I'm not answering any question that Woodward puts forward. So Fair enough. that's just Fair enough. that's just yeah. <laughs> standard operating procedure. <laughs> He'll be texting me here in just a second. Uh, but hey, you, you got to give me the answer to this. Um, I, I will. I would say, in, in my experience, when your organization's running effectively, and you're in your paid in your you know paid department, um, that seventy five to eighty percent for payroll benefits is probably right where you need to be. Um, then, then you got enough. You got enough funds from there laid out to be able to to do your training and make sure that you're equipped the way you're supposed to be and and, and things like that. Minus apparatus and and breathing apparatus. That's a handle that in a different way. The capital, but, um, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. capital, right. But um, what I see more than anything else, and I'm and I'm seeing it especially in this in this economic climate that we're that we're after, is that. 75 to 80% goal that I think David is, is looking for in the answer. I'm seeing that creep up 90 or 95%. Now, if you, now if you think about that, if you, if you're running a fire department, a, a $10 million budget, um, if 95% of that $10 million budget is for personnel and benefits and overtime, um, you have very, very little money to be able to successfully train, develop, and equip your folks. Operating so very lean, very lean. Y- you are very, very lean. And I can tell you, uh, I'm seeing a lot of departments in that 90 to 95% range right now. Um, and, and I'm fearful that even if we can turn the economy or we can, we can do something different, I'm fearful that we're not necessarily going to be able to back that down. And that's going to have a real negative impact on how we do business. Right. No, no. Great, great question. I love the uh, anytime you can give people a rule of thumb or something that they can wrap their their put you know, put their hands on and, and, and sink their teeth into. I love that. When you say the 95 is very lean, 90 to 95, uh, it gives something to sink teeth into. Now, I want to uh, man already. I think this scrap has been unbelievably valuable to anybody who takes the time to listen to it. It's just good nuggets, good information. But I don't want to shortchange, A, uh, the Dynamic Fire Chief, one of the best books <laughs> out there. I, 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 want to, I want to hit on it. I really do. And your consulting firm and how busy you've been and the reason you feel like you, you are so busy. Uh, I, I'll let you go with uh, – let's go with the consulting firm first. Why are you so busy? And explain that I, when, you, when you put it in the email, I was like, no, that makes complete sense, you know. 
Yeah, we're 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 super busy. I didn't, you know, when I retired and, and jumped jumped into the consulting world, and and I, I will just say that the reason that I left um, Hanover Park, I, I love I love being here, and it was I love being fire chief in this community, and is just really blessed to be here. But if you succession plan, at some point you're going to find yourself as a guy in the way, and and Chief Fours was. He was my number two, my executive officer. He was ready to be fire chief. And if I didn't get out of the way, he wasn't going to get to be fire chief long enough to be able to do all of the great things that you get to do to be chief. So I I bailed, um, and, and we knew, and we talked about it, and it was all part of the planning process. But um, the reality, too, is that I needed to have something to do because I'm not ready to give it up. Right. So we started, we started the consulting firm, and uh, I've been blown away by how – busy we've been and when i when i look at when i look at why we're busy i've tried to really analyze why why do we have the amount of work that we do for somebody that that i I don't i don't advertise and i don't i don't have a facebook page for my business and i don't have a website for my business i've got folks that call me and say hey can you help me with this situation um you know what what's what's going on Why why are we busy right um I think I think there's a I think there's a couple things that are that are that are hanging out there. Um, one, I would say that our organizations are running so lean, and they're running so lean in the in the top spots that um, we just don't have the focus of the work anymore. So you know, I'll get I'll get called and say, "Hey, can you can you write a grant for us, or can you write policies and procedures?" And unfortunately, I got some folks that are on the team that can do that kind of work. But, you know, we should be able to write policies, procedures, and SOGs within our own organization. You shouldn't have to hire that out. But if you don't have the bodies within within your command staff to be able to do that work, you don't have any other options. No. And so yeah. that that leanness is, is catching up with us. Back in 2008, a lot of us lost our middle managers within our within our fire departments and we didn't get back. And so you got you got the fire chief, maybe a deputy, and you got your shift folks. There's nobody else in there to do the right. work. There is no buffer, no nothing to absorb the administrative duties, the record keeping, the yeah. Yeah. So the we're they're just, getting, they're just getting killed. Um I would say the the second thing that that causes us to to uh, see the workload is we got some bad actors. And um, we got some folks in leadership in the fire service today that um, I would argue shouldn't be in leadership in the fire service, and and they're they're making bad decisions. Um, they're hurting people. They're and when I say hurting people, both physically and mentally, um, and, and and how they how they take care of their staff. In fact, they're not taking care of their staff, and um, those. Bad actors that are in those positions um, cause the the city councils or the fire protection districts or the township boards, whatever your working organization is. They they see what's going on. They're getting they're getting pushback from their unions. They're getting pushback from their volunteers. Their volunteer ranks are diminishing, um, and so they go. We got to get somebody in here to take a look and and see what's going on and see if we can get our arms wrapped around this and fix it. So. Hence, that's when I get the call and say, "I don't know what's going on in my organization. I don't understand fire, but you got to get. Can you come in here and look around and see if you can figure out how to fix it?" 
we got we got more of that going on than what we need to have going on. And right. um, it's just it's just I, I think there's some reasons for that, but it's it's just bad. And the other thing. Okay, no, sorry. I want to dig. No, in. no. Go, go ahead. Do you think that's going to ever going to go? Is that is that just parcel parcel for human nature? Is it is it a is a is it a symptom of something a deeper issue? I, I, I think it's a deeper issue. I, I I find we got folks that don't want to lead their organizations. They don't. Want, they don't want to be the fire chief. They don't want to. They don't want to come off shift. They'll, they'll take the highest rank on shift. Period. They don't want to step into administration. Okay. Um, the reason they don't want to step into administration is because administration lives in a glass house, and our people are smart and they see what's going on, and they understand that the fire chief is is between a, a rock and a hard place. Um, you know, they got city councils or, or district boards on one side giving them direction. They got the union on the other side that's 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 pushing back, and the fire chief or those those senior staff members are sitting right there in the middle. And and any decision they make is going to be a problem. Um, they they see the twenty four hour connectedness. Um, I I call it um, the the job today. I call it the the jealous mistress that's killing us. Okay. Because if we do anything as a fire chief or, or senior staff, any effort you do, anything you do in your life that is not dedicated to running running your organization, being connected, answering the cell phone, answering the email, answering the text message, the phone when the mayor decides to call you at 3 o'clock in the morning, um, there's no way to get away from that. And if you don't do all of those things, you're unemployed. So when our folks look at this and they go, wow, these guys are in a position between a rock and a hard place and the 24-hour connectedness. I, I can't I can't go to my kid's ball game without spending half of the half of the time on the cell phone talking to an elected official that's mad about something. Or what, pick pick whatever, whatever the situation is. Whatever scenario you want to yeah. They go, man, I, I don't want to do that. I love the fire service, but I don't want to do that. And I watched the fire chief who came in the door ready to go and they just get beat down, beat down, beat down, beat down, beat down, beat down. And they're exhausted and they're angry and they're disgruntled and they leave the organization hating the fire service in the department. So what that does for us, we have some really, really great folks that would make great fire administrators and, and would cut my workload down to zero if they would lead their organizations but they don't want the job because they see what the job is. And then what we end up with is because you got to have leadership. We promote folks that would sell their soul to get a gold badge and five bugles. Mm. And so you get those folks into those leadership positions. They're not equipped. They don't have the right heart. They're not bringing the right skill set to the table and they run their organizations down down a bad path. They hurt their folks because they're not the right people to be in the spot. And the right people to be in the spot won't take the job. Mm. I think you just uh, almost threw down a gauntlet to the American Fire Service in the, in the fact of it. But it's I think you articulated very, very well the problem in many, many organizations across the country. 
So you, you take that stuff and you partner that together. And I would say the third thing that impacts us being as busy as we are is that I hate to even admit it, but I see it is that uh, city managers, uh, county, county managers, whatever, whatever that leadership role is, um, they don't trust our fire departments. They don't trust our fire departments. They don't trust our firefighters um, because we oftentimes um, don't always tell the truth. We tell our version of the truth, and um, that that impacts um, our trust level because really it's it, it, all, whether you're in private business or you're in the fire service, it's all about relationships. And, and, and that, that negativity impacts the relationship. They don't trust us. And so, you know, the, the, the firefighters and the fire chief come in and say, we need to do program A, B, and C. It's the right thing to do. And they say, you know what, I'm going to go get a third party guy to come in the door and make sure that what you just told me of A, B, and C that's going to cost me, you know, two million dollars is actually accurate because I don't trust you guys. Right, man. I hate that we've done that to ourselves, but we have done that to ourselves. Right. No, that's absolutely. that's why I got work. Hmm. <laughs> and but all of it is a uh, legitimate reason at, at, for at so many departments, man. There's so much value in understanding those those uh, metrics, if that makes sense. So I don't think we. T- you know, we don't, we don't, we don't have real conversations, and I think that I think that impacts it. No, I think you're, I think you're 100 spot on. The other one is uh, I wanted to touch on dynamic fire chief. I want you to talk about it? Why you wrote it? I mean, obviously it's tied to the consulting, but 100 um, percent, go for it. It um, it really uh, came out of. Uh, I, and all of the writing that I've been doing for, I don't know, long time now. Long time. has been, it's been over 50, on... Over 50 articles. It, it, yeah, a couple of them out there. <laughs> a few. It, all of that writing is focused on this leadership aspect and, and, and various various things. Um, sometimes, you know, the, non, the non-sexy stuff, but the chief executive officer stuff associated with the job, the, the HR issues, the hiring, the recruitment, um, succession planning, um, budgeting, discipline, pick, pick the topic. Uh, I, I've been writing on that stuff for a long time because folks would say to me, hey, how do you do this? So uh, really the book was driven by um, a, a conversation that I had with, with leadership at Fire Engineering about um, let's Let's write down uh, some of those things that um, folks call you about and ask you how to do. So, so as an example, I, uh, for for several years at at, um, at Hanover Park, I would get called and and folks would say, "Did you really get rid of um, annual job reviews?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I've done my absolute best to get rid of them. I think they're garbage." And they're like, "Well." Tell me more. <laughs> so, right, right. So I'm like, well, there's a lot of research out there that, that talks to the fact that, you know, they don't work. So right. why are we doing them? Um, and, oh, by the way, there's a lot of re- – if you go back and look at history, um, we can see how we actually evolved to where we're at and where 
what they were designed to do in the beginning is not what we use them for today. They're, right. They're, they're, they're junk. Right. So stop, oh. stop doing them. You know, why do we do something that doesn't work? So, you know, people would call me and ask me about that. So what the book became is a, it's, I think it's chapters or like that. And each, each one basically takes on one of these issues that I would get calls about. And so I would, I, I detailed it out for them. Here's what it is. Here's how you do it. Um, almost in a, in a textbook type fashion. If you want to, how to do sinking fund for your fire apparatus, read the chapter on finance. It'll tell you how to do it step by step by step. And so that you can start putting away money to, to purchase fire apparatus and project what they're going to be at the end of their life. Um, so it's, it's that, but I, but I thought um, what turned out to be the, the, the thing I hear the most about uh, as it relates to the book is those, those 10 or 11 chapters cover those various topics. But but my wife recommended to me as I was started to write it, she's like, you know, you, you've been in the top spot. So you've had things that, that went right. And you got things that went horribly wrong. Things you just flat screwed up. You didn't handle it correctly. And if you had to go back and do it again, you do it very differently. So, so her take was start each chapter with a, with a, with a story from your career um and and what you learned from that and and not just the not just the 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 good and the good but you need to talk about the bad as well right, and right. and really and really be transparent and lay that out and then tie that into whatever it is that you're talking about in the in the chapter so if you're talking about um internal investigations and discipline well then you need to give them a discipline story Right. And 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 walk them through that so they can they can they can get in the in the message with you. They can get in the storyline, then see how the plot process played out, and then what was the end result. And so that's how the book is written. Um, what I what I hear the most about is the stories that right. folks folks seem to they seem to the the stories seem to resonate with them. Um, I, I, I will say in writing it, it was, it was really interesting to, to, it was almost a, 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 a mental health, uh, debrief for me <laughs> like, to, okay. to, to go back over those, those things and to think like about CISD, it. Like a CISD, like, yeah, kind of, kind of download joke that I've been carrying for a right. long time. I love hearing but, that. Yeah. That's awesome. But that's, that, that's what it is. It's, um. It's, I think, for folks that serve in leadership positions, they've they found it useful, or I or I hear that they they found it useful. Absolutely, for folks that that You're are coming humble. up, you you are very humble, sir. But it's a it's a phenomenal book that has helped many, 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 many people at the level that it's designed to help out. So, well, I appreciate that very much. No, absolutely. So I'm so I, again, if you if you haven't, uh, what I love is when people can throw a question at you or any guest, but I'm specifically picking on you because you're here tonight and they make it look easy when they filled the question. That doesn't, that's, that's not a, that's not a trick. That's not, that, that comes from a lifetime of, of investment and study and, and doing it. And, and it's a very, it's a very powerful gift. So I really do appreciate that. So, 
I want to say that you you crushed a lot of good questions tonight and made them look very easy. So anyway, uh, it only happens that that does not happen on accident. So with that being said, uh, I love books, books or books that you think firefighters should be reading. One of my favorite questions I ask on the staff. Best best book that I have read lately. It's called "It's the Manager." It's the and, manager. Um, it's the manager, and um, for those for those of us that are kind of research oriented, that's kind of how our brain works. This kick is it, it right kick here. Kick it to the side. How thick was that? Look thick, but maybe it was just a it, optical. It's, it's oh, thick. Okay. Okay. It's, okay. It's thick. Okay. Um, it's a. Uh, it's not a. It's not a sit down and and read read this you know from cover to cover like it's a novel you gotta you look at it digest it pick the chapter that you're that you're looking for uh, but just a just a tremendous book um, uh, two authors uh, wrote this thing uh, Jim Clifton and Jim uh, Harder it was published by Gallup uh, who does uh, does a lot of good research work okay but um, what I love the, the cover sums this thing up. And then and, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend, and I grabbed it and, and loved it. But the, the statement on the cover, it says, Gallup finds that the quality of managers and team leaders is the single biggest factor in your organization's long-term success. No. We've talked about that tonight. A little bit. <laughs> the, data, the data is in this book. Nice. And so I, I would I would say if you're serious about figuring this stuff out, you're serious about developing your folks, you're serious about developing yourself, this is a great resource. And it takes it out of the anecdotal and has the data? It does. It's got the data. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. No. Now I have to get – now I have to read It's the Manager. And I was hoping for an easy read, and you showed me a thick book. So. It's, it is not an easy read. It it's is worth commitment. reading. It's a commitment. <laughs> uh, but it is – it's good. Hey, anything we're doing, man, 100%. I love it. Okay, which takes us to one of my favorite parts of the scrap, and that is the five questions for firefighters. This started way back at the beginning of the scrap, and now we are in the five questions for firefighters, versions 3.2. It's the third iteration. Um, the points are arbitrary. They're assigned by me. There are no right or wrong answers to any of the questions. It's strictly your opinions. The audience absolutely helps me out. To, to assign the points. So my question for you, first of all, is are you ready for the five questions for firefighters versions 3.2 Chief Craig Hay? Let's. All right. I love it. What is, number one, what is the skill that has carried you through your fire service career? Oh, that's easy. Hands down. Perseverance. Hmm. <laughs> Work, 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 work. Um, stay focused. When you get kicked down, get around, get up, dust yourself off, keep moving. Perseverance is the key. That that's that's easy. Easy answer. He says that's easy. I will say it's an easy max points for work, 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 work. Um, perseverance, absolutely. I'm waiting to see. If, I'm waiting to see if anybody has anything to say other than max points. There is a slight delay as I as I wait to see. No, one hundred percent. There we go. Max points. Max points. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good. They I like love that it. one. No, brother, it's hard. It's hard to beat, man. I can't argue. If anybody has a detractor to say on work, um, then they haven't lived life enough. That's what I will say. Yeah. <laughs> Great answer. Max points. I love it. 
I love it. Okay, they're coming in. David Woodward said it was okay. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll take that from a friend. <laughs> to be expected. Yeah. Uh, no, 100%. I love that. Number two, This was, uh, it's job town. It is time. You're in route. You got to imagine the scene from backdraft where they're, you know, McCaffrey's jumping oh, yeah. on the rig, slapping the tape in the cassette deck. Uh, what song are you playing in route? Well, this is not a cool and sexy answer, but um, there is no song. Uh, I'm not when I'm when I'm when I'm on my way to a, a, a job. I am I am thinking about um, am I going to be worthy? When I pull up on the scene, am I going to be, am I going to be worthy of, uh, the people that have called me? Am I going to be able to, am I going to be the, 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 the individual that they needed on the worst day of their life when they picked up the phone and called 911? Am I, am I going to be worthy of taking care of my team and being able to see around corners and identify hazards and assign them appropriately to do the things that they need to do? And more importantly, get them out of harm something is going bad and and am i going to be worthy to solve the problem um i mean i'm not i'm not being called to the scene because somebody just decided they wanted the fire department to show up i'm this is waiting waiting you still got me you're back you're back okay uh, if if anything, I'm going down the road, and I'm I am saying a prayer that I am going to be worthy when I get there. So there's no song. It's the it's this other stuff going through my it's mind. It's a repetitive mantra. Yeah, every time, every uh, time. Am I worth? Am I worthy? Yep, brother. I love that. I love the am I worthy? And Nicholas Gwynn said, "Great answer, noble answer, perseverance, absolutely." Number three, what is your favorite fire service tradition? Firehouse kitchen table. Mm, mm. All problems, big or small, I believe can be solved sitting around the firehouse kitchen table. I can't. I would, with that. I would say that the reason that difficult positions for a fire chief when you when you get promoted into that spot is you no longer have the ability I mean you can you can do it you physically can go sit at the kitchen table but you you don't have the ability to share in that conversation that takes place between the peers of a company sitting at the kitchen table and that I think is so incredibly um, detrimental to the fire chief in being able to stay focused and lead the organization into the future um, and just, just lead day in and day out. You just, you, you, you just, you'd lose that. Mm. And um, so if there's anything that I just love and cherish and anything that we would ever do to lose that within our, within our, within our firehouses, whether paid or volunteer, that firehouse kitchen table is an essential tool to help us do the job effectively. In I my love opinion. it. I love it, man. 100%. So many max points flying by. 
said humbling awesome max points max points max points never a wrong answer the kitchen table yeah we need to do this more in all departments kitchen table is the best place to talk to each other about everything that is 100 percent accurate um yes the kitchen table uh uh Okay, <laughs> yeah. Uh, on the clock, number four, final or not final, but number four question on the clock. You uh, one minute to answer because we had to put it on the clock because there were so many people who were doing. Uh, you know, they would do their honorable mentions and they would take. But long story short, measured on the clock, one minute, four people to put on your Mount Rushmore of the fire service, and go. Chief Larry Anderson, uh, first fire chief I ever ever served. Chief of my volunteer department, still in my mind, is the fire chief. Mm. Um, Daryl Unzel, a firefighter paramedic that I got the opportunity to work with, actually showed me the global fire service beyond the doors of the community that I worked in, and I would have never seen it without him. Um, Battalion Chief Bob Collins, um, first as a a career-paid guy, uh, first battalion chief I ever worked for, Bob solved problems. And Bob taught us to solve problems, just a rock star, and he took care of his people. And the last one, dear friend of mine uh, that, that we lost a few years ago, Chief Alan Brunacini. Um, huge impact on my fire service career, huge impact on me as a person, um, still impacting me as we go forward. That meant it. You asked me for four, those were easy. Boom. Hey. I love it because you never know what you're going to get from anybody you ask this question from. And it could be people that impacted you personally in your, in your personal career. It could be impact of the fire service. Um, and I love Larry Anderson, Unsel. I love when you said Bob Collins taught, he, he solved problems and taught you to solve problems. I don't yeah. think you could give a, a person a better compliment than that. I he really is, is, he is tremendous. It's absolutely tremendous. And, and chief Bruno, I mean, uh, you say he impacted you personally. He's impacted the American fire service. I mean, yeah. period. There's no 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 ifs, ands, or buts. I, even before I knew who he was, that cartoon book with customer service was oh, yeah. Yeah. something I had way back in the day. I didn't even know who he was. Impacted, you know, my early. It was just, I, I feel incredibly blessed to um, have to known, to known him and for him to have taken an interest in me over the years and, and taken the time to pour into me on a personal level. Um, just, just an incredible individual. I, I, I miss him a lot. Love here. I love hearing that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I wish. Yeah. Okay. Number five. Final question. The question. It's never changed. It will never change. It is heavy fire, searchable mm-hmm. space. Would you rather be assigned to the nozzle or first in on the VES? Put water on the fire. You want the you want the knob. I want the knob. I love it. Fire. It gives it. It gives me the opportunity to make the environment better for both the victim and those that are going to make the rescue. And so, give give me the nozzle. I'll I'll make life better for them. They get in the building, and make the rescue. That's that's what I want to do. I love it. I, um, I love with the because there's no wrong answers to any of these. Any of these have no wrong answers. And the, and I love hearing the reasons behind it. And really, what I love hearing is the lack of hesitation when you say, "Give me the nozzle." Give me the knob. I'm going yeah. to make it better. You know, there's no, there's no thinking about it or anything. It's just give me the, give me the knob. Uh, absolutely, max points, max points, max points. Um, and that officially with those, and and the audience agrees. There's so many max points. It, it, when you get a chance, chief, go back on Facebook. I think most of the comments are on Facebook. At your leisure, look at social media. There's a lot of comments to you. 
and stuff like that. Um, it's it's a good time. Uh, but all that being said, that officially makes it 230 scraps in the books. Chief Craig Haig, thank you so much for spending your evening with us. First of all, if someone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do so? Best way is to just shoot me an email. That's the that's the easiest way. Or you can go to uh, my Facebook page. Just look me up on Facebook, uh, uh, Craig Haig. Um, send me a private message, and it'll pop in, and I'll grab it. But uh, email works great. I can I can give you that. It's um, it's just my name C H A I G H at S B C Global dot net, and that'll that'll pop right in. I'll see it, and um, I'll respond and try and help you however I can. I love it. Okay. Uh, housekeeping, everybody, go to firehousevigilance.com. Do it at your leisure. Become a vigilante. The vigilantes are awesome. It's the Cool Kids Club. Five bucks a month, the cost of a cup of coffee. Uh, you can sign up for a monthly or you can sign up for a year. doesn't matter. Um, of course, there's a scrap after party, which will be happening soon. That's when we all come in there and we roast the guest. Chief Haig has agreed to come in there and be roasted, although he said he doesn't think anybody's actually going to roast him. That was his words, not mine. <laughs> So before I knew Woodward was on here, Woodward will roast me. <laughs> we'll see. We will actually see. Uh, next week, next week coming up, RJ Wynn. If you haven't heard this, man, don't miss next week. It's going to be powerful. RJ Wynn and his story. I met him out in California. I said, hey, will you come on and be the scrap? If you don't know who he is, he was on Fit to Fight Fire. Check him out. I, I wish I would have looked up the number, but uh, – Look up Wynn, R-J-W-Y-N-N, Robert Wynn. You can hear his story on Fit to Fight Fire. He's going to be at Firemanship because of his story. It's pretty powerful. It's coming up next week. And, of course, uh, following that is one of my favorite people on the planet, Chief Clyde Gordon out of Houston. Ride with Clyde. He's coming back on the scrap. He hasn't been on since, like, the – I think it was in the 70s maybe. So it's been a couple years. And I was like, Chief, you got to come back on, Clyde. And so we're going to keep 2024 rolling. Uh, Chief Craig Haig set the bar – uh, pretty, pretty. I'd say pretty high for finishing out January. So everybody else has got to try and meet it. Absolutely, audience. Thank you so much for being here. Your questions are what makes the scrap magical. Um, we. I, I wish I could show you the notes. I had so many questions to throw at Chief, and then the audience. Uh, absolutely, I, I'm not saying derails it. They just ask great questions that are that are right, uh, ripe and right down the pipe for the uh, for the guests to absolutely crush and i love it so thank you for being here and thank you for doing it all that being said i hope the tone stays silent unless it is burning everybody stay safe out there thanks for listening to the weekly scrap please subscribe and please share we'll see you at the next episode